welcome to Invest Like a Girl, the podcast dedicated to supporting women like you to invest time into your mindset, business, and creating your purpose-driven life to reach your financial freedom. You are meant for greatness. Let me be your cheerleader, whether you're starting a passion project or balls deep in investing in your journey of self-development. We have something for every boss bitch. I'm your host, Ellen I am so excited. Caroline DeMore, the ultimate modern day businesswoman, founder of Pizza Girl, mother, DJ, actress, and former fashion model. And you are honestly an authentic inspiration to me personally. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Invest Like a Girl, the podcast. Yay! I'm so excited to be here and to just chat with you. And I feel nothing but good energy from you. So it's very exciting. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming here. So the number one question that we like to ask guests mm-hmm. is, if you could tell your younger self one lesson, mm-hmm. what would you say to you? Younger Caroline. Oh, man. Not to say fuck it to everything and Mm. to really, like, just kind of slow down. Mm. I think I just thought, I, you know, from the age of five, I was very well aware that life could be short. Yes. So I think I just lived a life of, go, go, go in Mm. every way when it came to partying, when it came to business ideas, when it came to, you know, and I never really took the time to slow down Mm. and um, really educate myself and learn about myself. So I would tell myself to just slow down and figure out who you really are, what really are your interests, not driven by your surroundings and well, today, social media and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but like, really, like, what calls to you? Mm. You know, I wish I had um, learned that earlier. Mm. I feel like I really resonate with that because that's what I'm doing on my own self discovery journey right now. Is I was so ma- we spoke about this before, being so masculine and mm-hmm. going and being like, I gotta do this, I gotta live up to this expectation of myself, and then. Being like, am I truly living in alignment? Am right. I actually happy yeah. with where my life is at? Whatever that looks like. Right. I was just thinking the other day in writing. Mm. And I thought about how, you know, when you're a little kid and you have this vision of your adult self. Yeah. Um, we all have it, right? You have mm-hmm. this vision. And my vision of my adult self um, was she was very... Um, together. She was respected. She was smart. She Mm -hmm. was a wonderful mother. She, you know, was very put together. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's so interesting how I did everything I could in my teens, twenties, and up until not that long ago to go in the opposite direction of her. Mm. It was almost like I was doing everything I could not to become her. Mm. And I always saw her thinking one day I would become her. But like all my day-to-day actions were the total opposite of what would have brought me to her. Got you. Yeah. Bizarre. What, like what switch changed? Um, realizing, well, listen, I, I lived like you, you have to go through so much, right. To Mm. figure out like what the path you're on is not working. Right. Yeah. So if you, 
continue to do the same things all the time and you see, keep getting the same results, obviously you have to look at your patterns um, and the way that I w- was self-sabotaging myself all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So with the partying and the drinking and all of that, like it never elevated me. Yeah. Or got me to where I needed to be, you know? A hundred percent. Let's start from the start. Yeah. You grew up in Malibu. I did, yes. There was Domori's Pizzas, your dad's pizza shop. Yep. Paint me a picture of what your childhood looked like. You know, it's interesting. When you're in it and you're a kid, Mm. you know no different. So you don't think it's a rough childhood necessarily. You don't think it's so, so bad because it's what you're accustomed to. But when you get older and you look back, you're kind of like, ooh, that Mm. was, you know, not ideal. Um, I think for me, like, we had this ideal life starting out. And then my mom died at five when I was five. And, um, you know, one of my only memories of her is, I don't know why, um, you know, I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but Mm. Catholics need to do the open casket thing because that really um, messed me up, seeing her body in an open casket. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I had nightmares for years, dreams for years. You know, it's just like I remember the color of her fingernails, you know, the strange way that they dressed her and put her makeup on that didn't really look like her. And I have this, like, recurring nightmare of me, like, grabbing her hand and jumping in. And it was very, I know, very, very dramatic start to life. For a five-year-old yeah. to witness that? Yeah. That's an imprinted trauma. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. yeah. And I I vaguely remember a story. I, d- I now don't know if it was somewhat made up in my mind of me trying to, like, jump in and grab her and being emotional and being, you know, crazy. Um, but any five-year-old would have, you know, done the same. Um you know, and I was kept from her while she was sick in the hospital. They thought we were too young to go see her. Yeah. It was just a really, really rough intro into life. A hundred percent. And insert a single dad now raising four little girls of four, five, seven, and 11. Um, Holy fuck. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. So I, I do look, look back and um, appreciate my father so much more because now me being the single parent of one, it's a wonder that he's alive and we're alive, to be honest. Yeah. Um, God bless. Yeah, for sure. So he definitely did the best he could with the hand he was dealt mm. with the like knowledge he had and mm. his own upbringing and issues, you know? So um, I don't blame him for any of my upbringing. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely like I was alone a lot mm-hmm. um, with my siblings, just trying to kind of raise ourselves. Because when you think about it, you know, mm-hmm. one dad spread that thin. Um, and he, he also had his own startup company at that time, Demore's Pizza. And mm-hmm. now I can relate startup company, child, single parent. It's a lot. So funny how the universe carves that to be like I am so now grateful for my dad yeah. it wasn't fucking easy no but even those that those uphill battles he went through you're kind of going through that now and you're like holy fuck thank yeah. god my daughter has my mom and now you get to experience this like healing 
kind of process through your daughter, which is beautiful. It's really true. Um, I, there's been a couple of times where I've had really like outer body experiences. Like mm. I can remember this one, like yesterday where I'm just holding her and I literally felt my mom holding me. And it was such a healing experience because mm. I had told you earlier that uh, the pain you feel when you're a little kid that loses, a, especially when I don't, I'm sure it's the same, but when you're a girl and you lose your mother, yeah. Um, not to negate any other scenario, but I just, the yearning and the pain that I always felt missing mm. her just was in calling for her and dreaming about her. And, um, being like the weird kid staring at my friends with their moms, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I just was so in awe mm. of that. And like, um, yeah, it makes me a little emotional. I know. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, um, it's painful. Yeah. And you start to learn how to hide the pain mm. and mask the pain. Mm. And you become so strong that nobody can kind of like, you know, fuck with you, yeah. mess with you. Um, and that's kind of like the masculine that you're talking about when mm. you are, um, alone in the world or, you know, and you need to build this kind of wall of protection. You mm. do, you, um, you do it. And I didn't even know I was doing it, you know? And it was just like my form of protecting myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I always knew life was short, so I lived fast. Mm. and wasn't scared to die yeah um and that was really scary and if I look back some of the shit I did is mm. awful just like completely um scary for anybody that age to be you know out in the world doing that so mm. let's dive into that like yeah. what was like Obviously, a lot of our podcast listeners are from Australia. Okay. So Malibu and, like, the whole Los Angeles, like, growing up in the early 2000s, like, mm -hmm. what was that energy like? Oh, my God. It was definitely, like, now that I look back, and, like, even this week in, like, Los Angeles magazine, mm -hmm. there's a story on the 2005 party era, and it's a giant picture of me in the DJ booth and Paris Hilton's in the DJ booth with me. So just, like, I was a staple in the um evolution in the, in the in the quintessential you know party girl heiress time before social media that people were much more um open to be wild because it wasn't all captured on cell phones you know mm. it was like if we wanted what we would do is we'd go out we'd get you know paparazzi would follow us everywhere and then we'd go home and look it up on wire image that was our social media like and see wow. what photos of us were on wire image like that's how we would look and like that was kind of like our social media but of course only a core group of like famous people had this like yeah weird thing where you know I mean there's just so many crazy iconic photos of me and I'm looking at them now and I'm like I was 14 mm. 15 out at two in the morning, like out at, you know, different clubs sneaking in, like just, mm. you know, fake ID, the whole thing. Um, you know, I started DJing before I was allowed to legally be in the club. You know, I was being snuck mm. in through the kitchen half the time. Like, and you know, there was just like this, I was one of the youngest people allowed in every single nightclub in 
Los Angeles, New York. You know what I mean? Because there's this weird vibe of like when me and my girlfriends would walk up, Mm. the seas would part and they would just let us right in, you know? So it was almost like this privilege that made me feel so punk rock that like also kind of added to my... I can do anything I want. You know what I mean? The attitude. The attitude. Yeah. The attitude that I had that really didn't serve me. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was cool to be, you know, this kind of just reckless Mm. party girl. Mm. Um, And that was also me putting up these walls and protecting myself now Mm. that I look back from real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like facing my issues. Reality. I never was facing reality for, you know, over 20 years. And growing up, was there someone that you looked up to or you idolized at all? In what way? Like within my family or within like just... Yeah, just within society at that time. Was there anyone that you were like... I mean, of course, I was like obsessed with Kate Moss. I loved the idea of just like thinking, you know, cocaine and a fabulous outfit and a cigarette was glamorous. You know what I mean? Like that was cool. And, um, nobody was going to tell me any different and the skinnier, the better. And, you know, fuck you all. And it was just a total, um, it's really crazy to look back on (laughs) what I thought was cool. I wish I could be a fly on the wall. Mm, I'm just like that energy back then just would have been so different to what it is now. It's so controlled. It's so different. Yeah. It's so different. I mean, the stories that I have, I mean, all of the craziness was just on another level. Like sometimes I would look up and be like, is this really happening right now? Like so-and-so celebrity passed out right there. Do we need to call him? Oh, oh, what's his name's on the roof? Like about to get like arrested. It was yeah. just every night was some sort of crazy debauchery that, you know, it changed because now everything is filmed. But back then it was like you could get away with so much more and people did, you know? Yeah. Like now it's just like everybody's so perfect and it's fake. You know what I mean? There's a time, and now everybody says it, there's like at some of these parties even, you know, when social media came around, there was a time to put away the phone. Yeah. You know, like and everybody had to put away their phones or, you know, there's like an area where you have to put phones if you want to stay at the party. Yeah. Um, because there's debauchery that's about to happen that can't be, you know, yeah. filmed. So yeah, I mean, that was my childhood truly was just party after party, wild adventure after wild adventure. And a lot of parts of it was cool, sure. And fun, mm. but I would have looking back, like I would give it all up for a sense of safety and a sense of calm yeah. And um, feeling like I had a direction in life. And a bit more of a purpose. And a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. What was my purpose? My purpose was just to go out and be seen. And yeah. it was like, I even like started DJing for the wrong reasons, you mm. know? Like I just, I needed, see, I wasn't rich like all of my friends. So that was the weird, like. That was the misconception. Oh, huge misconception. Yeah. yeah. Taking a break from the pod, I am now, ladies, taking discovery calls for my one on one coaching container. There is only two spots available. If you are ready to take that next step within your business or you want to work on becoming the best version of you, I recommend clicking the link in the description and booking a 30 minute discovery call. 
Can't wait to see you live on Zoom, girl. Back to the episode. So you moved to New York when you were 17. I did. And you got into the fashion world. I did, yes. Paint a picture of, you were named obviously the It Girl, very Mm -hmm. young. Yes. And I'm assuming that being on all these magazines, Teen Vogue, Forbes, Cosmo Girl, walking down numerous runways for so many big major fashion brands at such a young age, that could have led that toxicity it did. Yeah. It did. Run wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, once I figured out that I could fund my toxicity, yeah, <laughs> my crazy lifestyle, I was, like, all for it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, DJing. I remember when I, I dropped out of high school. Yeah. Um, you know, what happened with my dad was he was very hard on my older sister, and mm. then my sister underneath her just had a lot that she went through and Mm. had dealt with, um, you know, being gay and just Mm. all kinds of, um, emotional trauma, you know, from my mom and, you know, everybody at a different age was affected differently. Um, I think my dad, you know, chasing her around, he, by the time he got down to me and my little sister, he was like, go like whatever, just I'm done. You know what I mean? So at a certain point he was done and I took advantage of that. Um, I, I remember I walked in, my last completed grade is ninth grade. Mm-hmm. I walked in and I said, you know what? This isn't for me. I did a Yui. I walked out. Yeah. And I got on an airplane. Didn't tell my dad. Wow. Uh-huh. I was 17. I stayed at my older sister's friend's house. Um, and then I went to modeling agencies. Mm-hmm. I got an agent mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And... Um, you know, they helped me get an apartment and I started going on auditions and mm. I started being able to pay my bills. And I remember getting my first apartment and people would come and stay with like Nicole Richie and certain mm. people would come stay with me in New York. You know mm. what I mean? So it was like, I was kind of figuring out how to continue this lifestyle mm. um, without being one of the, you know, kind of like rich kids that were able to afford it all. And so I, I was like, okay, modeling, but then modeling got really scary being alone in New York. Yeah. I had some really scary things happen. Mm. Um, yeah, I had some really, really scary things happen. So I would just, and I, I was sick of, I'd never really loved being looked at sexually. Yeah. Some women, some people like that. You mm. know what I mean? Like some people do, you mm. know, they, they're, they're cool. They, they, they're comfortable. Yeah. Like I, wasn't very comfortable you'd be Mm. surprised to hear that I think just seeing all the photos of me half naked on runways but I actually like didn't like male attention um I think it's why I started to like I was I started to grow attracted to women and stuff Mm. like that because I just like male attention really irked me after a few really scary experiences I feel I feel similar to that growing up with my mom having like you know a few different relationships here and there I became when I was like going out and partying I was like you their desperation for wanting a woman's body is like an energy that you just get ugh, ugh irked. Yeah. Irked. I didn't like it. And I, I, yeah, I just, um, it made me very uncomfortable. Mm. So I wanted to be in more of like a male space. I wanted to, in, mm. in, in like me being one of that, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, so DJing for me became very like. Kind of took your control back. Yeah. In a way. Took my control back. Exactly. Yeah. I wasn't like desperate or needing some yeah. some guy to like me enough to give me a job 
You yeah. know what I mean? You're like, I didn't have to play these fucking games. Right. I didn't want to play the game. Yeah. I didn't want to flirt my way to the top. Yeah. I didn't want to do any of that. Like the, the dinners that modeling agencies make you go to where there's like, I sat at a couple of these dinners and it's literally like 30 beautiful women, beautiful young, young girls. And mm. like, and like two wealthy dudes, you know what I mean? Like it mm. was weird. Yeah. The scene in New York in the modeling world at that point, like was very weird um, and scary. And I had really bad experiences and I wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so I'm intrigued. Like how did this all unfold with Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, Nicole Richie? Like how did you guys all meet? Yeah. Um, so just growing up in Malibu, like I said, like mm. I wasn't one of them in a lot of ways, mm. but I kind of held my own in like when it came to having an outgoing personality and like yeah. being overly confident. You had the good energy. Where I got that confidence from, God, I don't know. You know, I was just yeah. like super confident anywhere I went, only girl on the dance floor. I would start the dance party like full on. Well, that kind of goes back to your whole fuck it mentality. Right. You have nothing to lose. No, I remember and, I would just dance yeah. and I would hear the snickers of the girls making fun of me, but then also being like, okay. We either kind of need to befriend her or what are we going to do here? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. actually, Nicole Richie became my first friend of that kind of group in mm. Malibu. My boyfriend at the time, Cisco Adler, was really mm. good friends with mm. that whole world. So it just kind of happened organically growing up. Now. I was young. I was like, I don't know, like 15, 16. Got you. Yeah, maybe 16. Yeah. So you were 16, like involved in that world very early on very early on yeah yeah, yeah. and I, it was more because I was just like in the party scene you know yeah. like wanting to go out and all of that I mean there was a group of us that would go out seven nights a week Monday night Joseph's Tuesday night um if I could remember this it'd be hilarious like national yeah. Wednesday night oh my god it was my friend Loyal Penning's club but like every single night of the week was uh, a different night to go out which is crazy. That is not the way it is anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my girlfriends, they could all afford it. I had to go. I was like, how am I going to go out every day? Yeah, I would mm. deliver pizzas at Demore's Pizza, save up enough cash just to go out that night and like pay for ballet and a couple drinks and what, what have you, you know? And even just like trying to keep up with those girls with like outfits and things like that. Mm. I would go to downtown LA. I'd grab a bolt of really cute fabric I would go home, sew on some crazy outfit that looked amazing. My wow. creativity was definitely in it. And I remember I was at the Roxy one night and Nikki Hilton came up to me and she was like, where did you get that outfit? And I was like, I made it. And she was like, what? You know? And I was like, yeah, like, cool. You know? Um, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I just, and <laughs> there's a story that I just can't get over because I remember at one time telling and this is, this is why I want to like share it because everybody thinks they know, mm. but the truth behind everything you're seeing, whether back then it was like the weeklies mm -hmm. and wire image and now it's social media, mm. the truth is far different than what you're being shown. Yeah. Right. So I have articles being written about me that I'm like the new heiress, the pizza heiress. I'm like, what's a pizza heiress? First of all, an yeah. heiress of a, of a tiny hole in the wall pizza shop. But it was like the media just needed a story for me to exist. Yeah. Because I was always with these girls and they were like, well, she's got to be some like snobby rich girl. You know what I mean? So they yeah. were always kind of trying to come up with a story for me, but I didn't have my own voice. Mm. 
Mm. I didn't have a publicist. I didn't have anybody to help me get my story correct, you know? Mm. So it was like, almost like this whole thing was just allowed to be created. Mm. And I was like, you know, bullied and taunted and weird different things. And nobody really took me seriously for a while with like the DJing and the acting because it was like, oh, but you're this other thing too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, like I said, this one night I was like, Paris, I cannot go out again. Like I don't have an outfit. Like Mm. I can't keep buying outfits. I can't afford it. She was like, pick anything you want from my closet. Mm. (laughs) So I borrowed a dress. Mm. We went out, paparazzi. I end up in the section of Us Weekly that says who wore it best between me and Paris. And I'm wearing her fucking outfit. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, dude, <laughs> the craziest, get a grip. like how funny is that? Like, and it's just like, I'm like, well, thank God she won because I'm in her, her clothes, but like people think one thing and then it's really a crazy different story, you know? And I feel like that is so much pressure for a young woman who's lost her mom so young, mm. finding her way and getting your identity like taken away from you. Yeah. Like, what was it like for you being friends with Paris and, Nicole Richie and Kim and all of that, did you feel this pressure or because social media wasn't there yet? No, I felt the pressure because everybody was saying like, oh, well, why isn't, there was this rumor after a while, it was like, well, all of Caroline's friends have made it. Why hasn't Caroline made it? Wow. I know. And then I came to realize many, and I used to feel very like um, down about myself because of it, you know? But then I also came to realize Yes, those girls are so talented and they are so good at what they do, but but they did have help, right, financially or weren't worried about where their, how their rent was going to be paid and different things like they that. They had support system. They had support system, which yeah. is amazing. And yeah. I want to be able to provide that for my daughter, right? 100%. But then I look at it and I'm like, no, I didn't have, you know, money for a publicist or mm. really ridiculous outfits that were going to be photographed on the carpet or, mm. you know, things that help. It does help. Of course, that's a fucking resource of like, uh, you know, I don't know exactly how everyone's story went out, but like Paris Hilton, obviously you're on a goldmine. Right. Kim had the the whole team of how she wanted to to execute that. If you don't, if you're like, yo, I'm just living this party lifestyle and everyone's like making all these like decisions around you and you don't get that support, like you're so young. Like how are you meant to create your vision or your purpose if you don't even know who you are yet and I also didn't have a mother like all of those girls had really amazing powerhouse moms Moms. that like led them down different business paths that are yeah that you know they must just be so grateful for like that's so cool you know like and I hope to provide that for my daughter one day but I mean yeah I mean now looking back I'm like okay the world had like an image of me that was so fake, you know, that so wasn't twisted. so twisted. Mm. Was whatever they wanted to put out there. I remember this one article that was just so mean mm. and ripped me to shreds. And it was like, I, I was excited about it at first. They're like, Oh, we want to interview you. Um, and then they called me like the Jack of all trades kind of in the master of none. Like, is she just throwing a bunch of different things out there and nothing's kind of working for her or whatever. Mm. Um, but I really have done every single thing on my own. 
Like yeah. any movie I or, or TV show, little thing I booked because I was I went in an audition. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I you don't have any fucking handouts. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> zero handouts. But but listen, it definitely helped that I had the friends that I had. Mm. Mind you, I was kind of used for the friends that I had in a lot of ways. Like people would call me, I'd get excited. They'd be like, Hey, I would love it if you would come and yeah. DJ this event. Can you bring Paris Hilton? And I'd be like, Oh, you know, it's not about me. It's about my friends once again. And that has happened to me forever. And, you know, every time I was like so excited about something and then I come to realize, oh, this person's now using me for a, a connection to mm. one of my friends. And that was really sad. You know, it was disheartening. It was like, oh, but really again, like I really am talented. I really am, you know, yeah. great. And I just wasn't getting that place. So I was just kind of like, fuck it all, you know, but then I somehow became a pretty good DJ. Like, yeah. like you had two record labels. Yeah, yeah. I had two record deals. So I, I kind of started DJing for the wrong reasons, which was to just, what age? So really young. I mean, I'd say like 1718. Got you. It was way before like the big DJ craze, the house music craze. Yeah. There were no female DJs at the time. It was like me and Sam Ronson and I wasn't taken very seriously because of all the hoopla yeah. and, you know, I, I felt like I needed to like change who I was, mm. um, to be taken seriously. I yeah. wanted to wear like pretty dresses and be that femme mm. girl that I was at heart. But then I found that I was kind of mocked for it. I was, you know, bullied online by other DJs like, Oh, you know, I'd fuck her, but I wouldn't hire her. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to get really good. Yeah. And then they can all go fuck themselves. Literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ended up signing with the biggest DJ agency that there was, Scam Artist. You know, Sam Ronson was signed there, all the big DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, ended up being very good friends with DJ AM. Mm-hmm. And he, didn't you, he inspired didn't me. Didn't someone call you? Oh, and were, yeah. yeah. So I, I did get a phone call. I got a phone call about doing a DJing for yeah yeah so I just loved DJing at the time I yeah. wasn't a DJ at the time I love the I story the idea. Yeah, yeah yeah it's, it's pretty so funny good. actually so I got a call um I was still in the acting world and I yeah. got a call from a director that was like hey do you know any female DJs for this show I'm doing at the El Rey Theater mm. I just fully lied and I was like I'm a DJ and he was like all right you're hired and I was like cool and then I hung up the phone and I was like, oh shit, what did I just do? I just, I'm about to do this huge show at the Elway mm. Theater. So I called AM, DJ AM, and I said, hey, I did this. You got to help me out. And he was like, you idiot. All right. Yeah. Um, he kind of like really helped me. I kind of was really into the house music space. Like mm. I really loved Bob Sinclair and like, mm. you know, this whole kind of house space that was really unpopular in America. Like it was only like hip hop and stuff like that at the time. Mm. Um so I started on CDJs um, and CDs, which is interesting. Shut up. Um, yeah. That's sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I taught myself enough to get through that show. And then at that show, I was asked to DJ. And then I ended up DJing, like, some of the biggest parties in L.A., like the Josephs on Monday nights, like the big parties that you, like, only heard about or read about in magazines. Um, I, I started booking. And... Um, it was funny because the same guys that were kind of bullying me and making fun of me, mm. um, I was now taking their jobs. So it was really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And I started paying my own bills, um, really well, mm. you know, from DJing just a couple nights a month. 
and I was like, wow. And there was like this crazy world of, you know, I got one of the first big female residencies in Las Vegas. I was wow. a resident at the Hard Rock, which was huge for me. Yeah, it was really huge. And that's actually what helped me get signed. And, you know, there was billboards. Mm. Um, I got a really cool deal in Japan with Sony um, where all these different artists gave me the rights to their music to make like one of the first kind of DJ mix albums. Wow. I was on tower record, you know, tower records, the sides of sides of the buildings, like huge photos of me. And, and how did you feel in that moment? Like I was making it. Like yeah. I was finally like, you know, proving myself and like mm. really like doing something that I loved and it was really amazing. Mm. But the party lifestyle really got to me, you yeah. know, the, the, if I had just taken it seriously yeah. and I did have a manager at the time, Andrew Shack, I'll give him a shout out because he did say to me, he was like, if you would just fucking focus, you would be the biggest DJ mm. in the entire world. He was like, and I will help you get there. But I was so um, caught up. I was caught up in so many other things rather than just focusing on the music. Mm. Um, and there were so many nights I got so wasted um, that I that I ruined the DJ set mm. and then I wasn't brought back. You know what I mean? So once I got super popular, I started ruining it by getting super wasted at all my shows. Mm. Um, and what do you think was that like underlying reason for getting blackout drunk? I think there was this element of nervousness. Yeah. Um, everybody's watching you when you're the DJ, mm. um, everybody was judging me like crazy because of who I was. Yeah. So I sabotaged myself mm. a lot out of nervousness. Um, I mean, there was this one day I'll never forget. I got so wasted. Um, and the next morning I called the promoter and I was like, Hey, I was like, you forgot to pay me. He was like, girl, I paid you. I handed you your check. And I was like, Oh, you know, like zero recollection of so many different things. And then wondered why I wasn't brought back. And then hearing the news that I was, you know, crashing and burning, you know, Mm. sneakers in a dryer is a, is a DJ term when it sounds like sneakers in a dryer, when you're not on, it's like, when it should be like on beat. And then I would have five great shows Mm. and build so many fans and like people literally writing to me and telling me that I was the best DJ they've ever experienced. Mm. And then a huge big show and I would sabotage it. My biggest show ever in front of 20,000 people, me headlining, I fully sabotaged it. Mm. I, you know, so there was just something in me that didn't rise to the occasion Mm. because I was like scared and, or I didn't put in the hard work and training Mm. that I needed to because I was just trying to keep up with really kind of fake elements of what I thought success was, Yeah, you know, yeah, like rather than doing the hard work and trying to be sober in that environment. I mean, everybody wants to get the DJ wasted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were really scary nights. Like I could have been arrested. um, You know what I mean? On many occasions, Mm. not knowing people were slipping drugs in my pockets and then me flying home you know what I mean? Like, yeah, wow. Yeah. Scary moments. Scary moments. Yeah. And for someone who's maybe listening and going through that element of maybe not having enough control over alcohol abuse yeah. or substances, what would you say to them just to give a, like a words of wisdom? I would say 
Yeah, and it's like it's so hard because when you're sober, mm. you feel so much more. And when you have trauma, mm. you have to face all of it. Yeah. So I understand why people who have been through serious trauma want mm. to drink because they don't want to face it. Yeah. So I say, like, get sober, face it, and then maybe one day you'll be able to have a cocktail mm. and not be a total and not go back down that road. This works for some people. It doesn't for others. Mm. Like I'm, it's a constant even battle for me. Like yeah. I still want to be able to have a grown up drink and socialize. Yeah, yeah. socialize and do that. Um, even though I went down some really mm. dark paths where mm. one would say you probably should be sober forever. But yeah. I feel like that was a different me yeah. you know what I mean who was suffering so badly and now I kind of like because I spent so much time sober I really you're never going to know who you really are yeah. if you don't sober up and see and face your shit so true and for me like I never would have found my path yeah ever pizza girl you know going back to my roots figuring out who I really am mm, like this self-discovery journey and finding your identity and also your passion but letting go of things that don't serve you yeah it's like a mixture yeah it's so true Mm. it's like and you're gonna find the things that that do serve you because you're sober you know what I mean like you're actually gonna find the things that like actually mean something to you and it's not like I don't know I definitely like I appreciate just life so much more, yeah. you know, like being sober and having to deal with it, you know, like mm. I went to therapy, I've tried, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, not one thing works for anybody, you know, mm-hmm. I have, a, I know a lot of people that went to expensive rehabs and that didn't help. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So for me, having a daughter is mm-hmm. what saved me mm-hmm. and that doesn't work for everybody either. But I think there's something that will work hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, for you. Um, yeah, me not wanting to leave my daughter and have her go through the pain mm. that I went through is what is keeping me mm. and has kept me together and alive. I'm so excited to go into Pizza Girl. Yay! But before we go in there, there's one more topic and it's actually, it's. I want to share this as well because I think, especially coming from Australia, like where the country down under, we watch a lot of American reality TV show. God, yeah. <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Religiously. So you've been over, you've been in over 10 shows from Entourage, 90210, Courtney and Chloe Take Miami, and the very recently The Hills, mm-hmm. New Beginnings. Yeah. What was your experience like on reality TV? So it's not reality, that's for sure. Yeah. It's far from it. Um, right. It's really far from it. Mm. Um, so everybody needs to be fully aware of that um, because, again, it's the same thing of, like, don't compare yourself because it's not real. It's not reality. Um, I think the closest thing to actual reality is probably the Kardashians because mm. they literally are those people, right? Yeah. And, like, I was on – the very first episode, funny story, Kim and I were going to mm. do a reality show together. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, so we were going to do a reality show together. Um, we were very, very close. And then... What was that going to be about? Now I just like, can't even remember. It was like us being like, I think, entrepreneurial or doing a business. I, I'm. She might even remember better than I do because I, you know, lost a few brain cells in my yeah. day. Um, but I remember her sitting me down and being like, babe, I got to tell you... 
my family has decided to do the show and I have to do the show with my family. Um, I'm so sorry. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I totally get it. No worries. And now it was like Kardashians, you know, so it was a really, yeah. um, she made the right move. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. But, um, but then they had me on the very first episode ever mm-hmm. of the Kardashians. Wow. Um, and it was at the time, you know, Chris and Bruce's um, anniversary Okay, I've watched that so many times, and I need to go back and find you on there. So I was just DJing their anniversary party, and there's this moment of me, I think Chris, like, comes behind the DJ booth, and she's just kind of, like, vibing, DJing with me or something. I love her. There's a funny, like, meme tech thing I see every now and then. Or not meme, what's it called when you just see, like... Oh, the the gifts? Yeah, maybe it was, like, a gif, yeah, and she's behind the DJ booth with me, like, or something like that. Um, but yeah, so, so they, you know, they definitely have like reached out and been like, Hey, come on mm. this. And when I did Courtney and Chloe take Miami, it mm. was a full episode about my swimwear line at the time, mm. you know, still trying to figure out my, I knew I was very entrepreneurial, mm. but I just didn't find my authentic self. Mm. And actually Chris was the first one to kind of tell me that the pizza girl was finally it for me. She was like, this Shut is my authentic self. Yeah. I was at dinner for Kathy Hilton's birthday and there was just like maybe 10 of us. Um, at Mr. Chow's and I remember I sat next to Chris and she was like pizza girl she's like that's it that's your authentic truth you know I feel like Chris is my spirit animal she's amazing um I was actually just watching her master class oh how was it it's really insightful um it's a lot of storytelling of how they ended up Mm. where they are but I haven't actually even finished it I want to finish it Mm -hmm. but it's they're long, you know, the master classes, but a lot of it is very, very insightful. What like, was the biggest takeaway from her personal branding kind of expertise? Being finding your authentic truth. Like like people can tell. Mm. And you know, like when you're looking through something and you're like, mm, and you look through something and you're like, oh, and this person like mm. truly has the see the reason Pizza Girl's working for me is because I was the pizza girl. You know, I, as a child, I was on the pizza truck catering to people. And I, my grandmother taught me about sauce and it's Mm. in my family. Like it's in my blood. It's in my history. Mm. Um, You know, and I ran from it for so long. I was embarrassed by it for so long. Once I embraced who I really was, it all started coming together. It's so bizarre. So if I could give any advice to anybody, it's don't try to be cool. Mm. Just try to be you. With unapologetically you, you know? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, at the time it was embarrassing. You know, I I was a teenager. I just remember Paris Hilton threw my seven, I think it was 17th or 18th birthday at her house. And like, we had the pizza truck outside. Mm -hmm. Alan's paparazzi came and I was just like, oh, you know, I'm just like the pizza girl. You know what I mean? And it was just like, I always felt less than in some way, but had I just embraced it then, you know, who knows how big pizza girl would even be by now. But, you know, so I, I want to just share and tell everybody, like, find your truth mm. and and elevate that truth because that's your authentic, real story that people are going to believe mm. and they're going to buy into. And resonate because and, so many young girls are struggling with their identity, maybe because their dad had, um, you know, a store that they don't feel confident in, right. you know, yeah. Damori's Pizza, yeah. you know, especially coming from a world of Paris Hilton, the glam, the fashion, right. the, just the, the high level of money 
from a pizza store, of course you're going to feel less than. Oh my God, my poor dad used to say to me, honey, I'm so sorry I'm not Rod Stewart or I'm so sorry I'm not so-and-so. And now looking back, I'm just like, dad, you're awesome. You know, like you tried your best and you were there and, you know, you didn't just kind of mm. throw money at the issues of your children. You kind of like, you know, you really tried. And mm. so I'm super grateful now. I mean, yes, I have regrets and wish I didn't like run from it, but mm. maybe now maybe my journey is to be able to educate other people that need to discover themselves and figure out who they are before they go down like a 20 year path of this unauthentic, like, yeah. you know, this, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I also think it's like this quote I always see is like, no one is you and that is your power. Right. And you can't, you can never change your upbringing. You can never change your story. Right. You have to learn and grow and evolve. And, ab- and embrace right. it. Yeah. And if you can teach somebody or, or help somebody based on what you've learned and who you've become, like how healing is that? A hundred percent. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel like once I really embraced mm. my truth and I was like grateful for it, and I like really dove into, you know, my grandmother's recipes. And when I, you know, started running the catering division for Demores, and when mm. I opened my own Demores in West Hollywood, like, and learned how to run a restaurant and to, you know, hire and fire and order, you know, ingredients and learn about margins and learn about, you know, taste and, mm. um, you know, really like get my palate sorted out. No, really, no. It empowered me so much to Mm. really, truly, it was hard too, because nobody took me seriously. Mm. I deserved it because I was, my dad, me coming into the restaurant and him being like, what, you want to work with the restaurant now? Like after all that shit you've done, you know, like, I was like, like, take me seriously, please take me seriously. And they were just like, no. So Pizza Girl ended up at first was like a fuck you. I'm going to go show you what I, what I can do. Mm -hmm. And then it became like kind of like embracing all of it. And once my dad really saw me, you know, taking it to the next level Mm. and really applying myself and really embracing myself, he was proud of me. So that was pretty cool. Full full circle. I love that. Yeah. So in the next episode, we are going to be going into Pizza Girl, all of your branding, how it's come to life and where you are right now and what's next for Pizza Girl. See you in a sec. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna restart. That's this. so cool, and I'm gonna go pee real quick. Yeah, I'm like we need to stop. It's so good. I love the edge. Good, right? So good. I feel like it's so true, though. Like when you start living your true self, I never understood what that meant. I thought it was some hokey yeah. crap. But there's got to be like a really like layman's way of. Ex- I don't like the word layman's, but a really like easy to understand way. way to explain that to people. You know what I mean? Even like, like a short course that I can go through just discovering who you are. Right. It's like, tell me about, like, maybe. Why don't we have that in school? Right. Like, really, like, self-discovery. Like, and how is that going to. Understanding who you are and where you've been. Yeah. And so how true. can you apply what you've learned to your growth? You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Crazy. Love it. I never take your ears for granted and I really do appreciate your support. If you liked this episode, please screenshot this and share it on Instagram or TikTok and tag us at investlikeagirl.io. 
Honestly, sharing this podcast out there means the world to me. Join our Facebook community if you're into supporting women in business and on their own journey to become financially free. I love you so much. Have the most amazing afternoon and I'll see you in the next episode.